0: the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast with Borg, Betts, and a Baller.
2: Welcome back. It's Wednesday, January 24th on the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Ganoni, and I'm joined by Matthew Betts and Mike Wright. Good morning, everybody. I feel like we got a... Little radio voice going in here. What? Like if I, you know, I I had a radio show in college, and I changed my oh, <laughs>
3: wait wait news. wait 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 a minute wait wait wait, 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 a wait. A hold minute. on full stop. <laughs>
2: dang it. What? Yeah, Kyle you, can't you can't just did, throw that in there. You did local college radio. Oh man, it was a vibe. It was uh, my friend and I. Shout out to my friend Dustin Borg in the morning. We <laughs> I feel like we had like a really crappy time slot like for 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 college radio, of course, where it was like I don't know two in the afternoon or something, nobody's like, what did you talk about we We talked about sports
4: well, this... oh sports okay
2: and uh we, we uh we came up with our own ad reads because we didn't have any, and okay and sometimes what, like, a, what a bunch of jokesters we would just make up restaurants and stuff, but man I, I I talked football i talked uh we did college recruiting for a while too, like college football recruiting.
3: So. Like you, you would try to convince people to come to the college.
2: No, no, we didn't
3: have You're a like, football hey,
2: team. Hey, 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 Barry, why don't you, uh, why don't you come down and be on our team? Borg, Borg in the morning, yeah, would would have a little little ring to it. Good work, Kyle. You
4: don't want to give your alma mater a shout out here. Where'd you go to school? Oh, Georgia College,
2: uh, in uh, Georgia College All in right. Milledgeville, Milledgeville, Georgia. So great,
4: college football powerhouse.
2: Yep, undefeated, still undefeated, never lost. I feel like Mike, you could do the like night DJ thing. Like nighttime yeah. alt, alt rock thing.
3: Yeah, I could have done that. Just changing
2: actual vinyl records. Bets. Good time. Bets. You know, you're more of just like a podcasting guy. You weren't a radio guy back in the day.
4: Well, this is a sore subject. Uh, in high school, I actually applied to be on the sports section of the. Oh, it's no. It's like the morning announcements, basically. Like, not really <gasps> you know, radio. Morning uh, announcements. And it was like a five minute segment. Didn't even get a second interview, so oh man!
3: Do you send them these podcasts, and you say, and I say, I have who's
4: laughing I have, now? Who's I have laughing a now? Wildly
3: popular. I have multiple wildly popular podcasts. Eat it, elementary school. No, no, no high school. High oh, school. high school, but, but still not yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> still yeah, yeah, not yeah, yeah. great.
2: So whatever. Betts is elementary school is just catching strays right now. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, we are glad you're with us. It may be off season for a lot of fans football, but for Dynasty, it doesn't stop. So on this episode, we're going to talk about some trade targets, which I don't know if you guys feel this way. Whenever I recommend trade targets, you know, people ask on our Discord or on, on Twitter, I'm always like, there's a element of risk because there's so much we don't know that's going to change over the next three months, not just NFL draft with, uh, you know, free agency. It's just, there's so many different things, including just who are, who's calling the plays. I mean, half these teams, we don't even know who the coaches are. So we'll talk about some of those risks and some players that I think have upside trade targets. We will actually review some of the rookie tight ends we've talked about, rookie quarterbacks, rookie running backs. Last week, what a discussion on the rookie wide receivers with Jason. I mean, we went so many different places. And uh, yeah, dynastylovers.com, Mike, did you hear about that last week?
3: I saw you guys talking about it, but no, I I stayed away from the show, so I don't know what you're talking about. Jason, hottest site
4: on the internet right now.
2: <laughs> Jason was pushing for that to be a new domain name that we take, but we were too scared to, to Google it. I'll do it. I'll do it right now. All right, dynastylovers.com.
3: I'm just seeing if it exists. It says this site can't be reached.
2: Ooh. All right. Well, well maybe we'll we'll put it in the, put it in the put it in the cart got to redirect it's going to be great for us but uh yeah we're going to be talking through all that let's start off though talking about rookie tight ends we just had a weekend of football arguably one of the best weekends of football i've seen in a while we got some close games
3: oh divisional weekend is the best weekend in of the entire nfl season
2: it was it was awesome but that's highlighted by a couple of rookie tight ends that were showing up sam laporta dalton kincaid Let's first talk about Sam Laporta, whose Lions are somehow, somehow in the NFC Championship game. We'll, we'll talk about that more on the main show and the implications, but uh, he was the tight end one, tight end one in fantasy, so the highest points per game ever for a rookie at 14 PPR points per game. He set the rookie records in receptions, tied Gronk for the most rookie receiving touchdowns. I mean, if you took Sam Laporta in your rookie draft set, you know, the 205 is what we have in our ADP. You are feeling great about life in startups. He was going as the tight end 10. And we had this discussion, I think, a month ago, but do you guys still feel the same way? Mike, you can go first. Is he the tight end one in dynasty startups now? It's It would
3: be extremely difficult not to have him there, but it's also one of those things where you do like check yourself, have an actual thought experiment about it before it's just, okay, the rookie who finishes at number one. He's now the overall dynasty number one. Uh, I mean, we've had that, not with the tight end position, but we've had that happen a few times here with like uh, rookie wide receivers. It re- reminds me of a one—a star who was born a few years ago in Juju Smith-Schuster who skyrocketed to just, um, oh, no question about it. This is the number one fantasy uh, wide receiver in all of dynasty. That was a cool two-year run there for Juju as the number one guy, and then it was just catastrophic after that. So, yes, when the Dynasty Pass comes out, which, plug, the Dynasty Pass will be available on Super Bowl Sunday when the the UDK Plus goes live for pre-order, I can't imagine a world where Laporta isn't the consensus number one overall tight end. But for me, it's like, you know, let's have a look at were there any – like actual warts on the season. And like in, in terms of like absolute just dumper of a game, we have, what, two of them where he was the tight end 37 and the tight end 32 uh, against Minnesota and Chicago on the road, respectively. Uh, but it, it's hard, man. Like, bets, is there any way for you that Laporta isn't just the number one tight end and we're not overreacting
4: I think if there's only any, you know, argument kind of against just like what could change with this offense this year is this offense was wildly efficient over the last two years with Ben Johnson, who presumably is not going to be there as the OC anymore. And you could just say like, look, is that maybe a tiebreaker? You could argue, you know, against Laporta in that reason, if you wanted to make him your tight end two or three or something like that in Dynasty. But to me, you know, rookie tight ends don't do what Laporta did very often, and when you look at his underlying metrics in terms of his ability to earn targets uh, and those sort of things, like he just, he's a great player, man. And I think that he is going to be a focal point of this offense moving forward. You obviously have Amon Ross St. Brown there. And I know Jameson Williams is kind of a hot topic in see There's people that are in, people that are out, but they just don't really have a number two target earner right now. And so I do think there's going to be plenty of volume for Amon Ross and uh, Laporta. Moving forward for the next couple of years at least. So, yeah, I think for, for me, firmly, he's number one. But if anyone wants to make arguments for guys like McBride or uh, some of the other rookie tight ends, or of course, the Mark Andrews of the world, yeah, you're not going to hear arguments from me. I just, he's so young and he's already done it. So, so, to me, I do think he is tight end one.
3: So, I will say, you know, looking at it, it was, like you said, wildly efficient 889 yards and 10 touchdowns. That's fantastic. Uh, but it's the, it's the 10 touchdowns really, you know. That's what carried him where 889 yards it it's just it's the perspective of a rookie doing it. That's where you get so excited about what what's the next step for Sam LaPorta? Does he become truly elite? But he was just he was very consistent. He played every single game and I'm trying to do the math real quick, but it it's like he surpassed what sixty receiving yards in a game? One, two, three, four times. You know what I mean? And that, like, that's to to, to bring that stat up. Then you're like, well, that feels not great. Where I want to have a tight end who, where like Travis Kelsey is everything. He would have, has been. We who knows? Who knows what Travis Kelsey will be next year? But the ultimate tight end one package was someone who got a ton of receptions, yards, like Travis Kelsey would have multiple games over a hundred yards in a season. And then he would also score touchdowns. So if we, I would say that the red flag here is in this offense, maybe, maybe the offense loses efficiency without Ben Johnson next year. Maybe it stays the same, but is there a world that exists where Sam Laporta is just a he is a sixty yard guy, like that's that's kind of what you come to expect. High touchdowns more that's more like a Mark Andrews where Mark Andrews doesn't get the 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 reception quantity and the yardage quantity because he doesn't. The offense that Lamar runs is not the offense that Patrick Mahomes runs. So can we get Laporta into that upper range of of yardage with the high percentage chance of touchdown or? Are we going to be let down? Like, if Sam, if Laporta had, you know, the eight hundred eighty nine, almost nine hundred yards and three touchdowns, we are people aren't freaking out, putting him to number one. He immediately jumps into the top five, maybe even the top three, but he's not number one. Like Mark, would you be like, no, Mark Andrews is still the number one guy, and people would actually have the conversation. Well, is Trey McBride should he surpass Sam Laporta? Because we have seen, you know, it. But uh, 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 Trey McBride hasn't had the same opportunity that that Laporta has had, but in that small sample of Trey McBride being the guy, we've seen multiple games of him just take over the game, where Laporta has just been an, a an incredible piece, it, but an auxiliary piece because Amon Ra is the engine, and the, or Amon Ra in the running game would be the engine for Detroit. So that, you know, th- that's what I'm talking about of the thought experiment of I'm trying to not just put Laporte at number one and then check out. I want to actually think about it. So I think that would, that could be a a possible red flag. Not a red flag you can't overcome, but a red flag when you look back through the... If you're only looking at what he did with rose-colored glasses, I mean, the, the yardage wasn't always there.
2: Yeah. The the thing that we look at and we talk a lot about tight ends is just what do they do after the catch? Because so much of their targets is you know these short area... You know, I used to make fun of Jack Doyle. It's just he'd turn around, catch the ball, fall down. Same thing with Austin Hooper. Those are the kind of things. So you want these bigger plays, you know, that you get from George Kittle or you get these seam routes from Mark Andrews. Um, and so I will say, yeah, that that's the one thing about Laporta is he just, he had a ton of volume to make up for that yardage stuff. And it's hard for, to repeat that over the years. And it, you know, if everyone's listening to this podcast, like, of course he's the tight end one in dynasty, that's fine. The question is then, what does it cost you? What is the opportunity cost to acquire a player like that? Or if you're in a startup, where would you have to take him? For instance, Mark Andrews was seen as universally the tight end one last year, going in um, to startups. Like that's just where he was. He was marked. You would have had to pay in one quarterback leagues like a late second, early third round pick in superflex, it's maybe you know almost a late third, fourth round pick. But would you guys be comfortable? And I usually don't in a startup draft, like taking a tight end early is not an approach I love doing in dynasty startups because it's a safe pick, but I just feel like there's not quite the upside of saying, yeah, I get Sam Laporta for the next seven years, but I'm missing out on other wide receivers.
4: That's, do you guys feel the same way? I think it's, I think context is important because in you know the last, what would you say, maybe five years? If you are taking that approach in a startup and you say like I want one of the dudes, I want a Kelsey, I want an Andrews, I want someone I can plug in, not to think about it every single week, that's very valuable. But the landscape has changed this year with Laporta emerging, Kincaid emerging, Mark Andrews coming back from injury, um, you know, a bunch of other tight ends that are now fantasy relevant and are good. David and Joko had a breakout year, like a lot of names that you're like I would be okay with that and I would be excited about that guy on my roster. I think the gap between a true difference maker in, you know, the third round or the fourth round, compared to someone that you can get in the fifth or sixth round is not as huge as it maybe was two, three, four years ago. So for me, if that's where he is going, and I haven't really looked at current startup ADP, I probably would be out on that price. Again, just because I would probably lean uh, elite wide receivers to start or one of the, you know, top tier uh, younger running backs. But um, I I get it. I think it's very fair. I just again, from that opportunity cost, I'd probably be out at that price.
2: That's just not how I play dynasty where I'm taking a tight end so early where I know that I can mix and match the position and I know people say they get a positional advantage but I get a positional advantage when I have three stud wide receivers and those are the teams that I've seen just make insane runs in dynasty. I would say Mike like your biggest asset this year on your team is just yes. I have the firepower at wide receiver.
3: Yeah, yeah, my my team was built through wide receivers and then just piecing it together at tight end and now I'm You know, lucky now, I have Engram, uh, Ferguson, and Trey McBride. Oh, that's perfect. uh, Yeah, I mean, that's an incredible three-pack to have. With So, okay, what was the cost for me? Well, I've held on to Evan Engram since the rookie draft. He tumbled for me. I got him, like, in the late second round, which was not normal at the time. I I readily admit that. Uh, I think I got Trey McBride in the middle of the second and then Jake Ferguson nasty boy season we, t- we got him off the waiver wire you know what i mean so it there are ways to get usable tight ends it can it it's an investment though you know usually like if you're going to take these tight ends in your rookie draft that it, it, it never feels good because you know you're going it's like you're you're you will be hatching this this product for your your fantasy team it's not going to be right away unless you drafted Sam Laporta. don't don't let Laporta's success skew what we have known right. about fantasy tight ends for the entirety of the NFL one out like one Patrick Mahomes doesn't mean that oh well this is going to happen all the time no it, it won't happen all the time but i'm I think I'm okay with the startup price, but I was thinking through, tr- man, trying to trade for Sam Laporta right now would be just redonkulous what it would cost you. It would cost, I mean, a, at least a starting player, probably multiple first round picks because whoever got Sam Laporta is now like Eagle talent entrenched in Sam Laporta's my guy and you will have to rip him away. From my cold dead hand, so I don't even know if trading for him is possible. Right.
2: I I like what you said though, Mike. If you can, if you can't pay the price, you take a shotgun approach to tight end because there's so many different players. We'll talk about Dalton Kincaid. You know, there's other players that are rookies like Luke Musgrave or Tucker Craft that you could probably acquire a lot cheaper and kind of cobble it together. And you might get some of them wrong, but if you have three or four shots, like I have a roster. Where David Njoku kind of came out of nowhere as being the dude for my roster, but I wasn't saying he's going to dominate this year. I thought going in that maybe Chig would be a player that I liked a lot, and I took a shot. So I had like. Who was a waiver player. Right. Just you take a couple shots, you see how this is going to go. I just, that's how I usually play.
3: Yeah. And also on my roster, Juwan Johnson, who I got off of the waiver wire. So the point being like, (laughs) fantasy players, and you know, talking to myself finding a, a a breakout tight end is not as easy as as the wide receivers or the running backs like the the path is not nearly as clear because there's so much for that player they have to they have to learn essentially two positions and then you have are they even in an offense that will support a good fantasy uh, tight end so there's so much to it that generally i don't want to spend a high draft pick on them and you can just as long as you're attentive, frequently during the off season, you can find guys to take the chance on. They don't; they rarely pay off, but there's always plenty of guys for you to take a chance on. Uh, that if it does pay off, the return is is a has saved you a heavy startup draft pick.
2: Let's briefly talk about Dalton Kincaid. He was taken as the Titan one in rookie drafts because, well. It took him in the first round, 25th overall, the Bills, who just got knocked out of the playoffs. There was a stretch there from week seven to 11 where he was the tight end three. Um, his targets per round, like he was the wide receiver two on this team. And then there is a point in the season where not only him, but the rest of the passing offense for the Bills took a major downturn when they switched from Ken Dorsey to Joe Brady and also Dawson Knox returned. And you just kind of saw this dip in production. But Betts, what did you see from Kincaid as a rookie, and any thoughts moving forward?
4: Yeah, his role was kind of frustrating early on when he finally got the opportunity because all of his stuff was sort of, you know, short area dot type targets that really aren't that valuable for fantasy. And then as his playing time grew, you saw him grow as a player, getting more targets down the field, a little bit more usage in high-leverage situations. So I think if you took him as a, a rookie or you, you know, um, have him on your roster, like, you should feel excited about the growth he made as a player over the back half of the year. I always get worried when rookies just don't show anything down the stretch as far as an emerging talent. And we saw that from him. So I'm excited about Kincaid moving forward. And I think when you look at context for the team too, I mean, being tied to Josh Allen is clearly amazing. But when you look at what's around him, like every every offseason, we do this with Diggs where we're like, you know, is this his last year? Do they move on? Where is he at with that team? Gabe Davis set to hit uh, free agency there was a quote today about gabe davis they asked him about if he wants to come back to buffalo and the, the remark like wasn't like you know a lot of guys are like i'd love to come back here like i love what we've done these last few years it was like yeah I'll, i'm gonna you know basically like test the open waters but I, if i'm if they want me back like i'll come back kind of thing it wasn't like an endearing <laughs> remark so we'll see on gabe davis but you know either way it's like man you look around that wide receiver room and there is not a lot especially if Diggs is either a on the decline or B, on his way out. And so could you see a scenario next year where Josh Allen and Don Kincaid have a crazy run where Kincaid is the top option or the second option in the offense at worst? I definitely can envision that. So yeah, I like Don Kincaid. I like the situation for him as well, obviously being tied to Josh Allen.
2: I mean, guys, the fourth most rookie tight end receptions of all time. It just felt not that way because of what Laporta did. So 73 receptions as a rookie is a big deal. I mean, he's top 10 in, PPR points per game for a rookie. So, I mean, there's a lot to like here. I just think two touchdowns is going to be something that we look at and go, oh, is he never going to be a big touchdown guy? But it's it's a solid year. I think if Laporte didn't do this, we would look at Kincaid and say, well, wow, it was a pretty good rookie year. I mean, not blowing out of the water, but uh, Mike, are you interested in Kincaid, like acquiring him in PPR leagues?
3: Yes. I Kincaid is the type of player where I mean that you just laid it out. It's like the inverse argument I just was talking about for LaPorta of had LaPorta not hit that touchdown threshold, it would be a oh, it's pretty good. And touchdowns yes, like eventually some players stand out as their their touchdown production you expect it to happen. There are guys that that hit that threshold, but most people in the NFL the touchdowns that they they fluctuate. Sometimes they're there. Sometimes they are not. And dynasty is where you, especially this time of year, this is where you speculate on the human element of the game. What is going to happen with the Buffalo Bills? I it, it bet you you touched on it, but like, is Stephon Diggs on this team? I, I know that they've they're Some of the the contract analysis out there is like you basically can't trade this contract for Stephon Diggs. What if Stephon Diggs is willing willing to rework his contract? You know, Josh Allen is a huge cap hit coming into next year. He's going to have to rework his contract as well. But does Stephon Diggs, after, you know, losing what, how many years straight in the divisional round and just never being able to get over the hump, is Stephon Diggs the type of guy who says, I want to triple down on this and Buffalo is where I want to be or has he showed us time and time again that he is uh, a bit, um, I, can't, I can't think of, the, of a kind word to put it, just a, he, he can get a little hot-headed, let's put it that way, and react publicly. He's passionate. And, he's passionate, there we go, yes, he is a passionate man, and he reacts on things pretty quickly instead of kind of like a steady long-term view he has publicly had some things where like that's really reactionary stefan what are you doing man but that's who he is as a guy that's how he has gotten to where he is in the nfl so does he force his way out but that's what i'm saying of in this time of of year for dynasty because we don't know kyle said it we don't know who the coaches are going to be for a lot of these teams we don't know who will keep offensive coordinators? Are the Bills going to retain their coaching staff? There's already rumors floating around, uh, which coincide with, there was rumors about halfway through the year that McDermott is not going, unless McDermott makes a run and something happens, he won't survive. His job won't be there. There's a possibility for that. So right now you are speculating on the human part of the game. And to me, the human part of the Buffalo Bills says there is a chance that Stefan forces his way out. The team quadruples down on Dalton Kincaid, being I mean, they they traded up to get him in the first, and they're gonna want to show we were right. This is our, this is a guy we can run the offense through. We we handpicked him. So I think that Dalton Kincaid is got the chance to next year We could be saying, oh, Dalton Kincaid, easily the tight end one in all of Dynasty. It's just like, oh, sorry, Sam Laporta, you've dropped to three or four. Because rankings are are so fluid and move around so much. So instead of taking the trade capital and going after Laporta, I'd be willing to go after Kincaid. I I don't know what he is going to – I don't know what it will take to get him onto your roster, but I would far rather go after Dalton Kincaid than I would Sam Laporta.
2: It's, it's just the part of dynasty is just saying things aren't always business as usual. They don't stay status quo. What we saw from this offense last year won't be copy and paste unless you're Keenan Allen. It's the same thing every year. That's about it. So it's, <laughs> but so of I'll course. put, yeah, of course uh, I put Dalton Kincaid somewhere around that tight end five range. Like I'd probably still put Andrews ahead of him, McBride, yeah. Hawkinson, Laporta. But I mean, the, the other names, when you start going further, it's like, is it in Joku Who's, you know, about to be 28? Is it...
4: Uh, we won't even talk about Kyle Pitts. I would take Kincaid. <laughs> yeah, I, is, I, I,
2: I think Kincaid's around
4: five. So Yeah, and I think, too, just one other comment on just kind of the situation. Like, I think no matter what happens, whether Diggs is there or not there, or the coaching staff is there or not there, like, financially, Kincaid has to be part of this game plan in a huge way. They are currently 30th in projected cap space this year, ahead of only the Chargers and Saints. Uh, 43 million. Uh, over the cap currently so like they have to do something and with that you know first round draft pick like he's their dude no matter what so to me the situation I mean we we need to be careful saying this because sometimes it's not true but like to me the situation can really only get better as far as his opportunity in this offense
2: all right let's take a quick break and we'll be right back All right. Before we get into our trade targets, Mike, you wanted to just mention Luke yeah. Musgrave's name, just your boy Luke. Yeah. Well, what? Whoa, whoa, I'm not calling him my He's boy. He's your guy. Your guy. He is, Ooh, early he my is, guy.
3: He is not Trey McBride. Is my guy. Okay. <laughs> just, just knock it off over there. But we're doing a dynasty podcast, recapping the the rookie tight ends, and Luke Musgrave. I mean, he suffered a pretty unfortunate uh, injury at. You know the week eleven mark, the kidney, right? I right? was that what it was? The Keenan Allen injury, yeah.
2: Last was it the yeah Keenan? last yeah. kidney? Sorry, so all things lead to Keenan Allen,
3: <laughs> not for much longer, Kyle. Uh, but up until that point, he was on a seventeen game pace of five hundred eighty yards, fifty six catches, and that you know that's that's that does not seem special when you're comparing to what Kincaid and Laporta did. But the point being, the guy was. He was a top 12 tight end as a rookie four times through week 11, you know, in, so that's 10 games. That's, that is not nothing to me. Now he has the unfortunate thing of that Kraft came in, Kraft was drafted right after him. And then, and then Musgrave went out and Kraft basically reproduced all of the production that Musgrave was giving us. So you don't know what's going to happen. But especially between those two guys but i think that luke musgrave is he's worth at least a couple minute conversation uh like do would luke be in your top 10 or your top 10 at the tight end position or you're like nah it, it wasn't enough for me to see craft is too much of a nightmare i I'm, I'm out
2: i think so so luke Came in first name basis, by the way. I mean Luke. Yes. <laughs> uh he came into league as a yak guy. So that was what was most intriguing of how he was in college and what you saw here. Um so th- the offense is so young that we can we can project in and say, okay, well, the efficiency levels seem to be there with Jordan Love. There are too many mouths to feed, which is kind of like could it be him one week? Like, could you confidently start Luke Musgrave every single week this next year? I feel like the answer is no. And
3: I, I would say no, but the also what, what is the number of tight ends you can confidently start every single week? It's probably about 10, six, six or seven.
2: Right. So I think I see him more as a, I, I wouldn't want to go into next year, like counting on him, but you're happy where if you got him, you got him late in, you know, the second round or whatever, every rookie draft. But I, I, I just want to say, I think Tucker graft is better than what we think. I know he filled in, but like he was a chain mover for this team. You know, I so and he had some fun college numbers too. He was a jackrabbit at uh, South Dakota, so I think I just wanted to throw that out there because it, it was fun college player. Um, but I think he's going to keep eating into his playing time, in my opinion.
4: Okay, bets? I think yeah, I think so too. Um, both guys showed enough that like they clearly can, you know can stick around the league for for years that they're good enough to do that. And so they're guys that I would love to have as a tight end two or three on my bench that like Kyle said, you know, you're not counting on them entering this upcoming season, but if they grow as a player, if their dynasty value increases, like I would obviously love to have them. So just depends on, I think asking price uh, in a trade, but I would love to have those guys just as a bench stash. If nothing else,
2: their rookie stats, if we were to combine them and just say, I played the green Bay rookie tight end this year, they look awesome. Like right. 65 receptions. Um, you know their yards per target was really good I just I, I like them it's just hard I feel like I'm going to guess wrong each week Kay. who it is
3: do you think that they could craft Mark Andrews as, I mean you got to go in the way back machine but the Ravens did this strategy too except they drafted Hayden Hurst with their first mm. pick and then Mark Andrews was the second rounder and we all went what Mark Andrews is way more exciting for fantasy football Baltimore what have you done to us and Hayden Hurst was not the pick. It was Mark Andrews.
2: It, 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 it's not a bad comp here because you have athletic tight ends that can create after the catch, where, you know, Hurst was just like, Why, what are they doing with this yeah. guy? Yeah. An old dude. So, I mean, I don't like, I don't hate the approach of just taking your shot on these guys. I bet would you rather have Luke Musgrave or a
4: the 203 for this next year probably the 203 i was gonna say probably the early second i think
2: okay i think what where he's at is like a mid-second which is what he was last year you know mid to late second round pick right so uh, i think tight ends
4: take a
3: while to accrue value that's what drafting them is feels bad
2: it's okay to hold these tight ends and not make a split second decision we've talked a lot about dynasty the arcs for these tight ends, like you said, a couple years, you know, you need. So, like even Michael Mayer, he was injured at some point. You know, you didn't see the spike games, but it was a fluky offense where it's like, okay, we'll score sixty three, or or we're gonna run the ball forty times. So, I and think score zero. I think Mayer would be a great fine hold. Don't feel bad if you took him in your second round of your rookie drafts. Just move on and and you can wait. So. Let's talk about some dynasty trade targets that you can look for at this part of the season.
0: Let's talk trades.
2: We're gonna talk about a couple of trade for and trade away candidates. And I do want to give a qualifier here because there is so much we don't know. So much about these players, the changing situations. So I don't know. A month from now, somebody listens to this podcast, they're like, you guys are idiots. What are yeah. you What are you thinking? You don't know what's going to go on in the world, but this is all about probabilities. Uh, we
3: don't know if we're all going to be alive come Sunday.
2: That's quite true. And, and true? I'm okay with that dark thought. I'm okay with it. Do you not remember that?
3: Well, yes. That was, that, was, that was
2: Shanahan. Oh, I forgot. I forgot he said that. You forgot about that, Kyle? I did. <laughs> Apparently. Oh, that was awesome when he it said that. It
3: haunts me to this day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's right. I don't know if I'll be alive on Sunday.
2: Spoke so true. Um, So just, just things change. And then also, this is kind of making a guess on valuation. I don't know about you guys, but when I think of a trade for candidate, it's a player that I think I can acquire for less than what they are valued in my mind. Like I'm trying to get a deal here. Or at That's least,
3: usually how I look at it, yes. Yeah,
2: or at least pay costs. I'm not trying to overpay for a player. I'm not trying to give an obvious player to say like, oh, you need to you know, go after this guy. So we're going to give a couple of names for trade for that are maybe under the radar that you can maybe get a little bit cheaper right now. And this is the part point in the offseason where the rookie picks are only going to gain value. And so some of these names are going to fade away where you're going to go, well, I mean, this guy, didn't, this guy didn't do a ton last year. So... I don't really care. So what did but, what did you just do to your microphone? Let's just say it uh, went off uh, off the hinges for a second. Oh no! Well, Kyle went into full radio mode right there.
4: <laughs> grabbed the mic, well, leans in real close.
2: On radio, we would say, uh, you know, we'll be right back after this and put a little stinger in, you know.
4: Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But we're not.
2: Bets, you go first. <laughs>
4: <laughs> on that note, oh man, I, when I was doing this research for this segment, I kind of realized I lucked my, you know, lucked into. combo uh, here a trade for and trade away target at the same time I want to trade for Kendrick Miller and part of that I like it is because of what's in front of him on the depth chart and how poorly it went this year you look at Alvin Kamara who he was still pretty good as a pass catcher I think we would all agree on that but when we talk about career arcs and kind of when guys start to show decline it's usually at the running back position a pretty quick drop off Alvin Kamara turns 29 this coming July. I mean, you look at his yards after contact per attempt, his yards per carry, uh, his rushing yards over expected per attempt. Those numbers have all declined in four or five years in a row. And so clearly, like something is there as far as where he's at in his career. And, you know, I mentioned he was good as a pass catcher. The efficiency there even dropped off four straight years where his yards per target declined. So clearly, this is a player who, you know, three, four years ago was incredible. But the end is coming sooner than later. Jamal Williams, meanwhile signed as a three-year deal literally does nothing dead last uh, among all qualified running backs in yards after contact per attempt uh he was just bad for that team and so when you look at those uh, two
3: they had to kind of break some unspoken rules to get him a touchdown
4: (laughs) Jameis is legendary for that (laughs) you look at those two guys in decline and nothing really else on the depth chart enter kendra miller who we were all very excited about him as a prospect, he fell a little bit in the draft to the third round, recovered from knee surgery uh, in the offseason, then just really, a, a, you know, a string of unfortunate luck. Did he hamstring recover? Injury in camp, he never really recovered. Um, the, the knee surgery was basically like all, you know, up until training camp. Gets into training camp, hamstring injury, misses the first two games, kind of slow plays behind Jamal Williams. Uh, I think it was week nine, high ankle sprain, misses another month and a half. And then finally comes out in week 18. And yes, this is an extremely small sample size. But when he was on the field and actually healthy, looked awesome. And you know, Nick Underhill tweeted it right after the game and said, this is what we saw from Kendra Miller all summer. The man can move. Um, So you go back to his tape, right? We were all excited about the way he could break tackles. Awesome contact balance. Just a really talented guy that just didn't really work out from an injury perspective. And so right now, I think he's kind of in the back burner. When you think about this year's running back class with Bijan, Jameer Gibbs kind of stealing the headlines. Like Kendra Miller is a guy that probably won't cost you more than a mid second to a late second at most to go try and get. And when you look at kind of, like I said, the arc of Kamara and Jamal Williams, it could be a Kendra Miller, you know, big bump in terms of what he's going to see this year as far as his workload. So he's a guy that I'm going to get now before the headlines start to get uh, exciting this summer, which I do think they will.
2: A good. I love the way you laid that out because opportunities there he's so young that was part of the process that we were like man this guy produced at a big time college you know they went to the national championship game he's only 21.6 years old so if you kind of insert him that's in the, insane in the 2024 running back class like this year's class is down overall for running backs it's just gonna be a lot lower you're not gonna see the same draft capital you're not gonna see a guy Get top fifteen like Gibbs and Bijan did. So if you put Miller in that group, and then you think about it in rookie picks, like okay, so what would it take for me to get you know Blake Corum from Michigan or whoever ends up being drafted the highest? You would say that Miller would be a way cheaper asset to acquire. So yeah, the two o eight, the two o nine, the two ten.
3: Oh, I,
2: for sure. I think that you can get that for Kendry Miller, and you might say, oh, but. I don't know about this rookie running back that could be. You've seen Miller from just a brief standpoint, you know, week 18, like, oh, well, he can play, and their beat reporters are saying that. So just think about him not just as, oh, well, he's, he didn't really do anything as a rookie. He won't be good, but insert him in this year's class.
4: So, yeah, I think yeah, that context I, is I, good I, And at that price, 208 or, you know, whatever you could, it might be in that yeah. range.
3: I, I, would, I, don't, I don't know that you'll be able to get him for that cheap, but that would be a instant, you know, accept for me.
2: Yep. Yeah. Mike, you've got an interesting
3: name here. All right. Yeah. My, my trade for it, like Kyle laid it out is when you're talking about a trade for player, there's so many different factors you're going to be looking at, but this time of year, I'm looking at someone who I think is underpriced for what the player can do. And it's Romeo Dobbs from the green Bay Packers, the recently eliminated green Bay Packers. Uh, And the reason I want to bring up Dobbs is when you talk about this exciting Packers team, you know, whatever the stat is, one of the youngest teams ever to go to the playoffs, Jordan Love looks like the Green Bay Packers did it again, and they have another franchise quarterback. When people ask, who is the player you want? Like, which wide receiver do you want for Dynasty? It's immediately Jaden Reed. And I'm not saying that that is incorrect. I am just trying to do an a an exercise of what if that is not what if it's not correct or what if it's what if Jaden Reed is the, the the true number one answer, but it's not by a wide margin and the and the other guys are actually getting more involved than you would think. So on the season, you know, Reed was better during the season, sixty-four, and this is as a rookie, sixty-four for seven ninety-three and eight touchdowns. That's not even counting the stuff he does on the ground. Meanwhile, Romeo Dobbs was 59 for 674, also eight touchdowns. Romeo Dobbs was a top 24 wide receiver in six of 16 games because Dobbs didn't really play in week 18. He'll be 24 in April. And the market that I'm seeing, I went to a couple different sources you know, of, of people that I like and I, I respect their opinions, but you're seeing Dobbs ranked around players like Jerry Judy, Tyler Lockett, Adam Thielen, Rondale Moore—these are names to me that should not be anywhere close to Romeo Dobbs, to a young wide receiver who had, I mean, not a like not an elite breakout season, but you know, almost seven hundred and eight. That's a breakout season for uh, for a player who was drafted what in the fourth round and now is tied to a a franchise quarterback and. And people want his teammate and not just his teammate, maybe his teammates, you know, cause I'll even include Christian Watson in that green Bay wide receiver names who most dynasty players are going to prefer. I don't think that Romeo Dobbs is going to take the leap and be the number one, but the point being, if Dobbs can be an eight to 10 touchdown guy a year and, you know, give you 700 plus yards, he's in, you need multiple wide receivers. And he, I think that he could be a cheap way to get into the Green Bay Packers. The Houston Texans, justifiably so, will be the hotness. Everyone's going to want players connected to C.J. Stroud. So why not kind of pivot and get players who are connected to Jordan Love, who looked maybe not as good as Stroud, but looked really freaking good for uh, a lot of the season, and get some pieces. Get connected to that Green Bay offense. And I think Romeo Dobbs is your is the best combination of cheap compared to what I think he can do slash become. And uh, so you're not breaking the bank. And he's just kind of still a little bit under the radar. And look, he just balled out in the playoffs. Now, you know, that doesn't count for your fantasy stats, but in the playoffs, Romeo Dobbs was 6 for 151 with a touchdown, 4 for 83. Meanwhile, Jade Reed was 0-for-0 0 0 in one game and 4-for-35 in the other because he got literally game scripted off. He's still a slot-wide receiver. Yes, Maybe Reed, maybe over this offseason, he makes a jump. I'm not saying that's impossible, but this year he was a slot-wide receiver, and the Packers figured out against the Cowboys, we need to not run three wide receivers. Like, let's just have two guys out there, and Romeo Dobbs was the dominant force for that, that, uh, uh, that game plan.
2: He, I realize why you like him, Mike, because he was the NFC's version of Cortland Sutton. Like that—that's what he did. You know, he was the touchdown guy. And you know, sure, you and Cortland. Yeah. I, I so I love the price. I love what you're bringing up. Like if you're paying, I'm looking at some sites now. It's like in startups, he's like wide receiver 38. You know, it's like yeah, like you said, is Jerry Judy ever going to be a thing? based on what he's done for the first 4 years? No. Yeah,
3: no, I'm out, man.
2: So, I think there's a high floor there of an offense that we want to invest in and yeah, you're not investing you know, Jaden Reed's going to be seen as a top 20 type wide receiver and Dobbs is maybe half the cost. So, I'm all about that, all about investing in players that are still relatively young, 24 years old that you know, his ceiling is probably never going to be, you know, a wide receiver one, but that's not what you're having to invest in, right? If this guy can be a low end wide receiver two, a wide receiver three for your team, that's that's awesome in Dynasty. Yeah. So let's I was gonna one. say
4: too, sometimes nope. sorry, before I move on and start to interrupt. Um sorry, Radio Kyle. The <laughs> the best part about Dynasty trades, in my opinion, and like shows like this, are to get those guys on your roster that can really give you a boost when you need it. Like, is anyone gonna win a dynasty league with Romeo Dobbs? No, of course not, but are you going to be able to get a bench player that you can put in your starting lineup at, at worst as a flex? Yeah. And w- with a lot of leagues moving to like, you know, double flex or different formats, like you need those guys. And so some of my favorite trades to make in the offseason are those guys that are kind of under the radar, not saying, hey, go trade for CD Lamb, right? Like these kind of trades, you can actually get done and actually help you. So yeah, even though the ceiling isn't incredible, man, Romeo Dobbs compared to the names that Mike mentioned, it's Dobbs for me every time. But imagine if you had CD Lamb.
3: It feels pretty good, boys. Feels pretty good. <laughs> uh, but to just to answer that question, Betts, I've had several people inquire about the possibility of trading for CeeDee Lamb, to which I have said words that I cannot share on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: but basically, no, it's not possible. Never. Um, we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna find out my super secret top of the line trade target. <laughs> best pick ever. Okay, whatever you did during that break, bathroom break, whatever you're doing, I think you're ready. You're prepared for Roshan Johnson. I don't know about this one, Kyle. Okay, Talk so, me into Roshan. Well, the reason why Mike's giving some pushbacks, he's always been a Khalil Herbert guy, and I respect that. I do. Yeah. You for know, life. I know. He's entering a contract year. Roshan Johnson. This So this pick is more of, I don't think you have to pay very much, kind of like Kendry Miller. And as a rookie, I think he did show some juice. And there's also the element of this team is going to look different. I can't tell you exactly how it's going to look at this point in the offseason in January. We just found out that they're getting a new OC in Shane Waldron, who came over from Seattle. Seattle's offense was really bad in the red zone. But what they were really good at is when they got in close, they said, we're just going to feed our running back. So Kenneth Walker had an elite red zone role. So I think the offense that he brings in is going to be pretty creative. We weren't really big fans of Luke Getzey and what he did. So you have a new OC. You could have a new quarterback, okay, with Caleb Williams or whoever else they take. You could have new competition. And Roshan is one of those players that I want to bet on, him only growing into a bigger role, as opposed to he's just irrelevant because he didn't really pop off. We've seen rookies that did pretty much nothing, but have some good efficiency numbers as pass catchers, eventually pop off later on for running back position. You guys remember Damian Harris? As a rookie, yeah, they did nothing with him. I mean, they literally said, we don't want this guy on the field. A couple years later, he pops off for 15 rushing touchdowns in a season because you just kind of had to wait and acquire him next to nothing behind who they had at running back. Same thing with Tony Pollard. He was a fourth-round pick. It was a slow burn, but he eventually got there. Ramondre Stevenson, same thing. Fourth-round pick. Eventually, as a sophomore, he popped off. And the one thing Roshan did really awesome – is he caught the ball, 40 targets, 85% catch rate, 121 opportunities is still solid for a rookie. And I think he has the type of body, as Jason says, he's a BBB, his big body back, that uh, you want to invest in. You Is know, so that what Jason says? Oh, Jason calls him BBBs. Uh, big body back.
3: Better Business
2: Bureau? No, J- you know Jason. <laughs> he likes those those those, those hefty yeah, yeah. boys. Those, yeah, those um, boys. I'm, I, I get it. I'm with him. So... I think Roshan is one of the players that you can gamble on. I'm not saying it's going to work out, but I want to gamble on running backs that didn't ball out their first year that will cost you very little this year. And you can do the same thing I talked about with Kendry Miller. Put Roshan Johnson in this year's rookie class, and I can guarantee you whoever the RB4 or 5 is in this class is going to go ahead of people's minds than Roshan. But I think Roshan can be just as good as the RB3 or 4 in this class. So you can trade for him, roll the dice with the new offense, roll the dice with the new offensive coordinator, and just stockpile your running back room. I mean, I'm just trying to take shots in Dynasty for these little windows like Ramondre for a year or Damian Harris for a year. So, do you guys think I'm a gambling man? Does this make sense?
3: I, you're a gambling man, but it, it does make sense. The, the thing that stands out for me that I don't like is that, that Herbert went down to injury, and they went to Deonta Foreman over Roshan, over giving the young guy the opportunity. Now, the results, I mean, speak for themselves, Deonta Foreman had himself a, a pretty good stretch run there, whereas it was, why isn't he starting over Khalil Herbert? Foreman's, Foreman's crushing people. So it could just be that's what happened. Uh, but Roshan is, I do agree with the premise that he's cheap. I think you can get Roshan for even cheaper than Kendra Miller uh, in terms of trade compensation. Would much rather have Kendra Miller, but I, there is a world where, you know, Roshan Johnson kind of takes over. I, I, I can see that happening. I've, I can see a path where he is actually the starting running back for the Chicago bears. Unfortunately, I can see a, a path where they use one of their bountiful picks and they're like, well, we're just going to take him. Someone who we really like in this running back class. So at this point, it gamble is the perfect way to lay it out. But that's Roshan is I you you I'm in it. I'm in. I'm in on that being a low a low uh, compensation gamble that could pay off.
4: Yeah, I think calculated risk is a good way to talk about it, right? It's like, well, if I have to give an early third for this guy, like who cares, right? Oh, an early. The downside is. I, I, nothing. I throw my early thirds in the garbage, Bets. I don't even care. Exactly. <laughs> they mean Leo. they mean nothing. I don't, I don't care about years. this pick. So yeah, if that's the price, then sure, um, I'll take a shot. But like, he was kind of up against it from the beginning, right? I mean, fourth round picks, just in general, day three running backs, historically, the hit rate is not great. Um, it is a little concerning that, like Mike said, when he had an opportunity, or at least when an opportunity presented itself with Khalil Herbert injury, like he wasn't the guy, and even down the stretch. When Dante Foreman was basically a healthy scratch for a couple weeks in a row, even then he still didn't emerge over Khalil Herbert. So, like, I—I I mean, I'm pretty neutral on this take, but that's how a lot of people are going to feel too. And so, if the cost is nothing, then then sure, I'm in.
2: I mean, he had some games, especially when they were winning down the stretch, where it's like he was getting double digit opportunities, and it's not what you want to see, right? Like, we want to see 15, we want to see 16 type of opportunities. But I like seeing the pass catching work, and in a with a position that's so fragile, like running back, where I'm just taking as many shots as possible, I'm I like that I can look at all the variants that could happen with this team over the next year or so, and then the year after when Herbert is not under contract, and say there could be something there, there could not be. Um, those are the type of players that I try to stockpile, and you know they might not be nothing, but maybe halfway through the year I get somebody who's the starter if Herbert's out, and I can count on him. So.
3: And I think you might be, if you're trading for Roshan, then you're, uh, I imagine you're fantasy-wise, you're hoping that it's Caleb Williams. Yes. Instead of Justin Fields. You're hoping for more targets.
2: Yes, for sure. Let's talk about a couple of trade-away candidates. This is you kind of putting a, you know, your flag in the sand, saying, I think the value is going to be less for this player in a year from now. It's not saying this player's bad, they're a bust, I never want them anymore, but you are saying, I think the value is going to dip. And so I'd rather get ahead of the curve. Or I think this player is on a trajectory where they're not going to be as helpful in Dynasty. So Betts, you go first.
4: Oh, man. <laughs> this conversation is going to be interesting. Because when I started to put this name in our show doc, Mike jumps in and says, this guy's terrible. No one wants this guy. <laughs> I said he's and then buns. I had to second guess. I'm like, man, <laughs> does anyone actually want this guy? But the guy I'm going to talk about is Deshaun Watson. Who, you know, the last couple of years has not been great. And when you get outplayed by Joe Flacco, it's maybe not the best sign. And not just Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco off the couch at this part of his career. It's maybe not the best <laughs> sign Flack in couch. the world. And it's right
3: there. It's right there, Bets. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and when the front office comes out, you know, in the end of the year meetings and they're saying, look, Deshaun's our guy. We feel very confident in Deshaun. They are lying through their teeth after what they did to get him and the product they have on the field. They've made a huge mistake, and I think that they know that. And so you have this perceived, I think, uh, value of him. And I'm not saying it's a high value, but in Superflex leagues, people will see the contract and they'll say, look, you can get Deshaun and you can get a two, three-year starter at at least. And a Superflex starting quarterback is valuable, no matter who it is. People always think that that's valuable. But as we see across every situation in the NFL, there's always things that they can do to change the contract, to... You know they're doing it with Russell Wilson right now. We think you didn't think you can move on from that, but if Deshaun Watson comes out and plays terribly again this year, and they bring Joe Flacco in as his backup, does he start the whole season? Is he the starting quarterback in twenty twenty five? And so I know the value is down compared to where it was last year, but I still think the value is going to drop. Uh, you know, at, at some point in a player's archetype, when you have to make excuses for them over and over and over again. It tells you a lot about what the situation is. And I think, again, we're going to have an offseason where we're making excuses for Deshaun Watson and saying, well, you know, he obviously had an injury. Uh, he missed last year. You know, all these things. It's like, man, at some point, you just have to play and you have to play well. He hasn't done it. So in Superflex League specifically, because I think in one quarterback, there really isn't any value. I'm willing to trade him away, understanding that I probably didn't get the best price I could have for him. But saying, look, next year, it's probably going to be even lower. That's, I think, the question for Deshaun Watson in terms of
3: willing to trade him away. Are you willing to eat the the cost? Essentially, like, are you willing to trade get sixty cents on the dollar, or you know, so to speak, of uh, of what you think they're not even think what their actual value is? Because Deshaun Watson in a single quarterback league, he does have value uh, as well. Let's see, we had a QB five week one. QB 10 in week three, QB eight in week nine, he's still running. uh, So he still brings fantasy value through his legs and Amari Cooper will be there at least for, should be there at least this year. So yeah, he will, he's probably not the guy I want to have as my starter. Let me, I'll rephrase that. He's not the guy I want as my starting quarterback in a single QB, but as a backup with the the bloodbath that we all endured this year of quarterbacks going down including Deshaun Watson you want to have a backup that you feel that when you put them in your it's not just an automatic loss and there are quarterbacks out there that people probably want more than Watson that are actually you start them that that feels like a loss so i i I'm just trying to figure out what do I want Watson on my team or do I not want him? That's that's what this whole rambling thing is about. But I'm with bets that if I could trade him,
4: I would do it. But are you taking a discounted trade, Betts, or would you rather just hold on to him? I'd be willing to take a discounted trade. Okay. And I think my favorite approach to Deshaun Watson right now is not just trying to do like a rookie pick one for one or a player one for one, is almost just trying to say like, can I put Deshaun Watson with a second? Something like that in a super flex league, like an early second and go get Kyler or go get, you know, someone like that in that tier and just move on and kind of understand that the worst maybe is ahead and not already what we've seen. So, yeah, I think I'm I'm willing to be out even if I don't get, like I said, kind of the best uh, price, so to speak.
3: I I got one for you. Would you trade Deshaun Watson for Bryce Young? Oh, my gosh.
4: (laughs) I... Man, that should be an easy
3: yes, but it's not.
4: It's not an easy yes. I I guess I would just hold out (laughs) hope, maybe that Bryce Young can have a Trevor Lawrence esque rebound. (laughs) But honestly, like I wouldn't fault anyone for going either side. I I guess Bryce Young, but man, it doesn't feel good. What about Kirk Cousins coming off an Achilles? Is
3: I think thirty five.
2: I think that's where I would stay with Watson for at least. I know I have a little bit of like security of somebody playing Do you? i think
4: (laughs) do you i that's i mean if he plays the way he's played since he's become a cleveland brown can they really enter another year and lie to the fan base and say they're excited about deshaun watson again like they can't right it's hard he's only 28 i know but this is this is the the super flex thing is like people always think they have that QB2. That he's, yes, he's got job security. He's locked in. And we talk about it all the time in Superflex, if you don't have the studs, just you know, shotgun approach at QB2s and you'll land on a couple and it'll work out. And I think Deshaun Watson is in that tier. of People think he is going to be the starter for the next three or four years. And I don't think that's a guarantee.
2: I think that's how you market him. I, I, I'm i totally behind you. He's not somebody... I, I have a player in my league that has tried to trade me Jer- Deshaun Watson over the last two months. And I just said... I I just don't want to gamble there. I didn't have a great QB two, and so that's what he was trying to do. And I, I get his approach. That's what you have to do to somebody else. You don't really have a QB two. I think in a superflex league, you need a player that you can plug in. Where I just don't want. To, I just don't want any part of it. I don't want to gamble there.
0: <laughs> I
2: okay. I don't either. <laughs> I've found quarterbacks, and we all have, in superflex leagues, that we didn't think would be startable players, but like the Baker Mayfields, the Jordan Loves. Are players now that you can lean on and say, wow, like I feel so great as my QB2 that these are my guys, that they have a contract. I mean, I'd rather have Bryce Young. Call me crazy.
3: All right. All right, it's Mike. Not, I don't think it's crazy.
2: Mike, you're up next. This, I, this one, it didn't disappoint me. I'm not mad it at hurts.
3: you. No, it hurts. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. It shocked I, me. I'll be honest. I think it's a fair discussion because, again, is... Is there a disproportionate market value to a player?
2: I love it. I love this approach,
3: and it's Zay Flowers, who is if you've been following the Dynasty Show or the 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 Ballers Show, like my chips were all the way in on Zay Flowers he was in his almost rookie year. a my guy, like he was. Almost, a- yeah, he yes, very very close to a my guy for for his rookie year for the Baltimore Ravens, and I think on on the season as a whole is this was a successful year. Like when a, when a player does that in their rookie year at the wide receiver position and you're tied to an elite quarterback, your value goes up. It does not stay neutral. It goes up as people project and say, what could be, what could become of Zay Flowers? And I will say, let me start off the conversation here. I'm not saying Zay Flowers is not in anywhere close to a must trade. This is not me bailing on Zay Flowers. It's me asking the question of are there people in the league who see a ceiling to Zay Flowers that I don't personally see? I think that Zay Flowers is going to be a great wide receiver, too. We have spike week possibilities. You know, you're going to have certain weeks where he just, he, PPRs his way into being a wide receiver one or the broken play, you know, the on championship week, whatever it was, a seventy plus yard touchdown. He has that ability. His on the field he is absolutely incredible. But will he ever ascend to be a top twelve fantasy wide receiver where I can look at Jordan Addison and like I I there's a world where if they get the right quarterback that both jefferson and addison they can be both they can be top 12 top 15 guys. I don't know if zay flowers will ever get there. And you had last year, you know, the real the, the week 1 was the the breakout where we were all ridiculously excited, mark andrews wasn't there. Zay flowers kind of falls off there. Doesn't disappear but doesn't become what you had hoped after week 1 and then has a huge stretch run at the end with mark andrews <laughs> out. Now What's hard to uh, put together there for me is Isaiah Likely was also great during that second half run when Zay Flowers was was doing his thing and being a you know a a playoff king. But I just I don't know that with Mark Andrews I don't know if there's a world where Zay Flowers makes a jump to being elite. He just becomes a really solid wide receiver too. But there there will be weeks when he vanishes and just. Gets you, you know, one one or two receptions, but could there be someone in your league who is thirsty for the for young young breakout wide receivers, and, and like Zay Flowers, I think he can be a, a wide receiver one, and I'm just I have my concerns that that ceiling will not be capable for Flowers, so that's where I'm okay looking into trading him because I'm I'm I think I can get back more than I'm trading away.
2: It's it's a great point. We highlighted him in the rookie review show, but we didn't really say what could you get or a player that's a little bit older. So I have a couple names. Okay, would you rather have Zay Flowers or Drake London in Dynasty?
3: Oh man, Drake London is the better
4: player.
2: the The higher ceiling, I think, in terms of is, end of year finish.
4: Yeah, it's. But that I, mean, I would, I would take London personally.
3: I think I would take London. The, the thing is, for the trade I'm wanting to make, though, this isn't, I, if it's a one-for-one one and I have to make the choice, I think I'm going to take Drake London. But I'm looking at situations where does someone have Drake London and they're really excited for Zay Flowers so I can get London. Plus, yes. I'm not saying, you know, take someone over the coals. I'm saying, can I get a, a second? Can I get Drake London and a two for Zay Flowers? Okay, now I'm interested in making that. Uh, making that happen and Kyle you laid out like T Higgins or uh, our boy pity city Michael Pittman I, I think that those guys are the higher ceiling players T Higgins is hard because I have I have some personal beef of T Higgins letting me down over and over and over but it's like Michael Pittman who likely is going to break the bank I just talked about recently how excited I am for uh, Anthony Richardson and I think that the market hasn't caught up to what where he should be. So it's about getting more though. Like if I'm trading for Michael Pitt and you can't. You can't get you can't get Michael Pittman plus for Zay Flowers. That one won't happen. T Higgins, maybe. Maybe you can get that done.
2: Yep. Zay Flowers is a by the way, going back to Drake London, he's a full year older than Drake London. Zay Flowers is um despite playing in the year uh the league a little bit longer. He He's an interesting player because I, I think... He's so... He's good, man. Zay Flowers is so good. He's going to give you a high floor. He's not just going to be like irrelevant for fantasy, but if you think the hype is over what, you know, what you think yep. his performance can exactly. be, you can move on. All right. I'm going to give a name that I've never really been a Debo guy. And Debo is one of those players that when you bet against Debo, he destroys your soul.
3: Yeah, he does do that.
2: So yeah, if you've ever gone up against Debo, you're like, wow, he, he he touched the ball eight times this game and he scored twice and put up, you know, 120 total yards and he kills you. But Debo's 28 years old. This team's going on a near Super Bowl run. We'll find that out soon. But there's a lot of things that are about to change for the 49ers. It kind of feels like a team that you can just say, this is what they're going to be forever. Brock Purdy eventually is probably going to get some extension. Brandon Ayuk is definitely set up for an extension. And CMC's cap hit goes from million guys this year to 14 million next year and 14 million the next year. They're really good at playing around with numbers. So I don't want to just give a, the team's changing, but it will. And things change in the NFL. But I usually am not somebody who chases efficiency numbers over multiple years. Eventually that catches up to you. I'm usually somebody that chases volume in fantasy football and Debo's reception totals always scare me that eventually the bottom's just going to drop out, you know, in his career, 57, 33, his big year, 77 receptions, 56 and only 60 this year. He's never really been a player that, you know, you can count on to play the entire year, which is fine. And I wonder if one day the rushing stuff is going to catch up to him. I mean, he's basically the most efficient running wide receiver ever, like running back wide receiver of all time. He's averaging 1.27 fantasy points per rush attempts. For context, CMC is 0.68. So he's almost double as efficient (laughs) as CMC when he runs the ball. But the volume scares me that it's never really been there. Um, He's entering age 28 and 29 seasons. And we've talked about this on this podcast. When wide receivers hit that range, you'd rather be a year early on Julio, A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, this past year, we said the same thing about Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs. I think Debo has another fine year, but I wonder about the year after that. So, in Dynasty, I'd rather get awesome value for a player right now when two years from now, I think you won't be able to get much of anything for Debo and this team is going to look different. So, is that too early for you guys, Bets? Am I being too early?
4: No, I think this is the perfect time because, you know, when you talk about The way he plays, it is this, you know, hybrid wide receiver manufactured touch role that does come with a decent amount of rushing attempts. Now, I think 2021 when he had the 59 carries is probably going to be his career high, but still, he's probably going to give you somewhere in the range of 30 to 40 rush attempts every season. And you kind of start to throw that stuff into the mix. It's like, man, this guy is, you know, not old, but starting to approach 30 sooner than later. Um, that sort of stuff can have its wear and tear over times. And so the way that they use him, I don't think is necessarily great for like career longevity, the way I see Debo as far as his efficiency. And like Kyle said too, like just players like this, I try to be on the other side of it from an outlier efficiency standpoint. Now, I think Debo is just that good and that's kind of who he is. But like you said, I do see the value probably dropping next year and certainly the year after that. And so, yeah, when you're just talking about guys, you can trade away and get max value for I do think that time is now. And I do think if you wait a year, you're probably going to be a little bit too late.
2: I think with Debo, you know, I would be looking for something for a first and something else, another young piece, somebody else in the mix that you think, okay, they can ascend. Um, But I mean, he's a good player. He's going to help your team in 2024. I just hate betting on efficiency numbers to just sustain forever. We've seen those, you know, Leave and he's just never going to be the top target earner in the offense when you have still CMC Kittle and then Ayuk, he's probably going to get an extension this offseason. So, I would agree. so any, any thoughts on Debo uh, before we wrap up Mike?
3: No, I, I think you guys are right. it the when you I, I bring it up from time to time, but of when you're trading players away, you know it 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 shouldn't feel great. I mean, like trading Deshaun Watson away would feel pretty great. But for, for the most part, there, when you're trading a player away, there should be something inside you of like, am I making the right choice here? Because that means you're making a difficult choice, but you have to fall back on years and years of data and probability because the, the names you brought up, that's perfect. Like Julio Jones that that felt like that was going to last forever and when it ended for Julio it was a car crash like this was an immediate full 100 miles to zero and it was and we were done and the same for AJ Green it was full to zero like we you missed out you could have gotten some value you should have taken it because it's all about keeping the keeping the the you know the the water flowing keeping things moving on your team of of uh, your team is never good enough is a way that you should look at it so always be ready to improve and that includes making some hard decisions with players who are great
2: that's going to do it for this episode we are going to start turning our focus Towards the 2024 rookie class. So we got some episodes, some content coming out. Make sure that you check out the 2024 Dynasty Pass, which is part of the UDK Plus. It'll be out Super Bowl Sunday. And we'll see you again next week. Goodbye.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. If you want to take your dynasty skills to the next level, check out the FantasyFootballers.com.